0: Let me wish you Merry Christmas as well, and thanks for spending an hour with us together in this setting. And thanks to all of you for accommodating the change in schedule. I know that wasn't convenient for everyone, and it was extremely convenient for many. And so I want to thank you for accommodating that as a family for us. So we've been spending this Christmas season in Matthew chapter 2 up to now, the first 11 verses, observing Matthew's recording of the Magi. That's what they're called in Scripture, and their journey to the West. They are from the East, so they were coming West, and they found Jesus. And we've been asking why they earned, or did they earn this traditional title that's nowhere in Scripture that calls them wise? Why They're never called wise men in Scripture at all, but that's how we know them. Is, is as wise men. And so we've been, with the advantage of looking backwards at them, been asking, is there any reason in the text, In half, half of chapter 2 is on this group of non-Jews that came and found Jesus, and are, is there justification for why they may have earned their title as wise? And so um, what was so wise about them, looking back, we have already covered that they, well, they sought God. They sought God. That showed that they had a hunger for God. We consider that wise, as Christians at least. They found their greatest joy in God. It goes to extreme measure to say that they rejoiced when they found God in the baby Jesus. So that shows that's where they get their satisfaction. They get their satisfaction in God. That's their treasure. And then they gave their treasures To God, We notice that too, that that's what they thought was the best use of their material blessings is to give it to God. And that showed, as we studied, their valuing God. And then last week, Doyle took a look at their motive, the underlying motive of their whole journey from beginning to end there in that little text. It was to worship God. They were looking for him to worship him, meaning revolve their life around him. And that shows some serious wisdom and understanding of God. So today's observation comes from verse 12 of chapter 2. And it's just kind of the, the last little thing we hear about them, basically. It says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So after they did all this, you remember they met Herod on the way, and Herod kind of said, yeah, would you guys go find him? He should be in Bethlehem. When you find him, come tell me because I want to go worship him. But Herod the Great had malicious intent. And so anyway, we find out they do not go back and honor Herod's request. Instead, they have this dream, and then they return to their country by another route. So the Magi, what I see in that that I want for you today to see, is that these guys were wise because they were listening for God. They were listening for God. And I want to ask you that question. Do you? Do you listen for God? Is that a part of your walk? Is that a part of your habit? Are you expecting that he might speak? When you have dreams, are you ever thinking, is, is God trying to tell me something? When you read scripture, are you just reading it academically to gain knowledge? Or are you considering that maybe God is trying to speak to you. When you're gathered in your small group or you're gathered here or at your respective church gatherings, do, are, you, are you listening for God? Are you there just to worship? Or are you also there to worship through an act of listening? Are you listening for God? When you pray, are you doing all the speaking, right? Are you bringing your list of things you want to get through to him only? Or do you presume he may have a list that he's trying to get through to you and that, when you fall on your knees and you finally get into that relational posture with him, that maybe he can say something to you now, how to hear the voice of god that's that 's worthy of a whole other series that that we probably should do well that 'll have to be another time sufficient for today for this christmas is the reality that our God is a God that wants to speak to you he wants to have a personal relationship we see that all through Scripture. The fact that we have Scripture and that we've given it this title, the Word of God, it is the idea that God wants to speak to you. He's trying to tell you something. Are you listening? Are you listening? So today we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We've already celebrated the Christmas name of Jesus, and that's Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is known, this, this, the birth of Jesus, the fancy word for it is the incarnation of God. It's God becoming flesh. It's just, if you were going to make up a religion, this is not the one you would do. This is ridiculous. You would not expect anyone to believe that the creator of everything became what he created. And yet that's the message Of Christianity. You back up to chapter one where the birth of Christ is, and it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Have you ever stopped and just asked, What is the message in the incarnation? Like, what is God trying to say? to humanity, to you by doing this, by leaving heaven and coming to earth and packaging himself in what he created and dwelling among us. If there's any validity to that at all, what is the message in that? It's our story. What's the message in our story, in this story? I've got to, um, I want to tell you one of the most amazing ways that I have ever personally felt the love of, of Christ and the the mo- I've I've felt the love of Christ through a lot of people, a lot of you, but the most amazing way, the most epic way I've ever felt the love of Christ was through my wife, Carrie. See, back when we met, she had decided that she loved me and wanted a lifelong relationship with me before I wised up that I might want that. She had decided that she was that the idea of, of offering herself to me for a lifelong relationship was something that she wanted to do. And I, I hadn't. I was attracted to her, of course. She's beautiful inside and out. She had qualities that I would want in a wife should I ever decide I was supposed to get married. I was a single youth minister. My life was given to ministry in my youth group. And I just, I just thought, I'm, I'm never supposed to get married. You know, I'm just supposed to give my life to Christ. But I met Carrie, and so I flirted with the idea, because if I was ever supposed to get married, it's going to be someone like that. But I was very undecided, and I was very upfront with her about that from beginning to end. She lived in Dallas when we met. I lived in Houston, and we spent a lot of time communicating long distance. And we would do it in various ways. And she would just express her love to me in all kinds of special ways from that distance. She would do things for me. She'd serve me in special, personal ways from that distance. She'd send me gifts. She would send me notes. We actually sent notes in the mail back then. And uh, we we would talk on the phone. This is when you had to pay for long-distance phone calls, you know, on hard lines. I know, it was a long time ago. Some of you kids didn't even know you had to do that ever. We visited each other occasionally. You know, we would, we would travel and visit. But in the end, in the end, as not in the end, in the process, she decided at some point this wasn't enough. This wasn't enough. This wasn't communicating what she wanted to communicate. And so what she did was she uprooted her life in Dallas. She quit her job. She transferred school. She was still in college. She moved, uprooted her life, and moved to my city. She moved to Houston so that we could spend more time together, and that's great, but what happened was my city became her city. My friends became her friends. My ministry, which was my whole life at the time, this youth ministry, it became her ministry. She did all of this so that she could join me where I was. She did all of that, and as much she wanted to as much as I would allow it she wanted to be a part of my life she wanted to express that love to me as much as I would allow it she decided that her love couldn't be expressed appropriately or enough from a distance with the occasional visitation with the occasional gift sent with the occasional note or letter mailed it wasn't enough It was the kind of love for her that she needed to deliver more personally. More life on life. And so she left her place and she came all the way to my place. And here's here's what's Christ-like about that. She did that with absolutely zero guarantee that I would receive it, ever. She did that With no guarantee from me. As a matter of fact. The opposite. Warnings. Warnings. You cannot do this for me. I. Cannot live up. To any expectation. That you would put on that. You're paying a high price. And I. I don't know. That I can give you. What you're thinking might happen. And so she did all of that. For just the chance. That I would receive. The extent of her love. And. Reciprocate appropriately. In the birth of Christ, we have in the incarnation, we have this message embedded in it. He's trying to tell you something. That the kind of love that he has for humanity, it's not enough to to send messages, right? Had all those Old Testament prophets sent personal messages to the people. That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to send notes, they had scripture. They had letters. They had histories. They had word of God in writing. And that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for an occasional visitation. He did that too. Occasionally he would show up in some way. The angel of the Lord would show up and have this encounter. Wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to send gifts from afar. He did that too. He would give them gifts to, to bless them. To show them that he's there. That he loves them. It wasn't enough. God had to come down. And he had to deliver His message to you appropriately. And that meant personal. And here's the deal. He did it with absolutely no guarantee that you would receive it. Ever. He did it with no guarantee that you would ever receive it or reciprocate it appropriately. And He still moved he still came are you listening to the message being delivered to you through christmas through the incarnation he loves you it's personal it's real you are worth it to him i mean what more could my wife have done to show it to me to give up her life the way it was for just a potential life with me in the same way what more could God do? If there was a story that he was going to tell to try to win people to his heart of love, what kind of story could he tell that he could do more than the one that we have? Are you listening? Are you hearing? The wise men were wise because they listened and they heard. But that's not all they did. There was one more thing they did, they listened they also responded. Right? They also responded. It's one thing to hear the message embedded in the incarnation. It's not, I mean, imagine these guys. They, they all wake up. I mean, already probably a little bit weird. They all had the same dream. Right? They're like, uh, okay. So, let's say, maybe this was God. Can you imagine them affirming, I, maybe God is giving us a message and they agree it was but then they just go back the way they came right through Herodstown. What if they did that? How, how, how worthwhile was the message? How useful was it if they didn't respond? But they did respond. They adjusted their plans in response to this message. Do you do that? Have you responded to the message of God that he loves you? Are you prepared to respond to what he has spoken to you through the birth of Jesus. You know, if you flip over to the Christmas story, we've been looking at Matthew, but if you flip over in John, you'll find what appears to be a very different narrative of the birth of Jesus. It's the same, but while Matthew tells the story in a narrative form, a way that we can actually reenact it, you know, we can take on the characters and reenact it, John, John records the theology embedded in the Incarnation. While Matthew gives us the Christmas name Emmanuel, John is the one that gives us the Christmas name of Jesus of the Word. word. So when you hear the Word here, you don't picture the Bible, you picture Jesus. Okay? It says this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him Was life and that life was the light of men the word became flesh there's Christmas the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us contained in that baby this is our belief system was God himself God himself the only thing that you'll ever need Contained in that baby was life. Life itself. The only thing that explains every longing you currently and will ever have. Everything you long for. Even things unhealthy for you. It's you thinking maybe it will give me more life. He says, I'm that. I'm what will satisfy that. Contained in that baby was the light of men. The guide To that life, not just here, but our story says for eternity that even the sting of death is stolen. We all know in our hearts, death's not right. We all know when we face it, when it visits us, when our loved one, wherever it is, there's something in us. It's part of life. It's natural. I know, but something inside our heart says it's not right. Life is right. believe that's put there by God. In all of this, God himself, light, life, was packaged into flesh and sent to live with us. Why? For the same reason, Carrie left Dallas and moved to Houston, only with much higher stakes and much more intensity. He did it on the off chance that we would respond. He did it for just the chance. That's how much he loves us. Just for the chance John tells us what it means to respond to in that same place John 1 verse 11 it says yet to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God children not born of natural descent not nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God you see it to respond means to believe it means to receive That love, to welcome him into your life for what he is and what he's offering. And make no mistake, he is not offering judgment. He's not offering a threat of hell. He's not offering, get it right or else. He's not offering all that. Not according to Scripture. No, according to Scripture, he's offering light, he's offering life, he's offering. Himself to you. That's the gospel. But it's only yours if you believe it and you receive it. The wise men will rise wise not just because they listened. Imagine listening. How many people do this with scripture? They listen to scripture and then they sit around studying it for the rest of their life. But they never respond to it. Adjust their lives to it. That's not what they did, that's not what we're to do. We want to let him be God. We want to let him be light. We want to let him be life. I'm going to ask our elders and our ministers to just move around the room here. They're just doing this in case you need a touch today, a response. And I'll just end by telling you John goes on. John goes on to summarize the whole Christian mission just a couple chapters over. Maybe the most famous scripture in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved, that's the message, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is what it means to become a child of God. To receive him and his offer to be with us. And the result is us being with him. This, This is goofy, but the Christmas name of Jesus, Emmanuel, that comes from Hebrew. It was, it's used twice in Scripture, in the Old Testament, and then right here in Matthew. And it's a Hebrew word. And It's the combination of other Hebrew words that make up this name, God with us. So I did a little, I probably butchered this, but I did a little, because I don't know Hebrew, but I did do a little look around at the Hebrew words. I thought, he has a Christmas name, Emmanuel. It's the only time we use it. Maybe we should have a Christmas name. And I put together some Hebrew words, best I can. And, uh, and it's this. This is us. This is our Christmas name. Nuamel." What it means is us with God. Nuamel." If we respond appropriately, if we receive him and we believe him, then the very thing he wants is also the greatest reward we could ever have. He came here to be with us so that we could be with him. That's the message. Believe it. Receive it. If we can help you in any way, if you need a prayer this Christmas, if you just need a blessing, if you just want to share in a joy, if you need a hug, here we are. We want to give it to you. So let's stand and let's praise God for this great message.